Welcome to a new episode of No Ride Around. This is awesome because we're going to do this episode in English, right? Yes. Good. So I don't need to try to figure out the German or the Dutch or the Italian. Like, we can we just do it in English? The good news for you is I speak none of those languages. You know, um, <laughs> the thing with Europe is unlike most of my travels, I've gone south of the border. But Europe, the, everyone speaks English. Right, like it's it's you know even now like the the tours going on right now right and mm-hmm. they've changed the official language of the tour is English now it's no longer French and I don't know if this is the first year I have no idea but yeah it's it's official language is English just because of how many international racers are there and they're like hey this is the this is what we this is so, the easiest yeah. easiest button yeah so um, whew. Yeah, I so no no none of those you're good uh-huh. side note. Spanish and Italian, so close that Brian and I would just speak in Spanish. It's like our default. Um, like, oh, it's not English, so yeah. we just go to Spanish. And you're, like, you're in Germany, bro. Like, the amount of times I said, uh, like, gracias in and Germany. They're like, and they're all going to be like, bro, I just gave you a pretzel. Like, yeah. what are you? Um, but, yeah, you can use Spanish in Italy and get away okay. Hmm. All right. So what are we doing? What did you just do? Oh, man. I uh, Obviously, based on that ramble, I'm still jet lagged. I just got back from the stage race Trans Alp in uh, in Europe, and like I'm still in the post honeymoon merry-go-round phase, you know? Right, um, dude, that was amazing. Um, Trans Alp, and it's Trans Alp. I'm saying Trans Alp, not Trans Alps, which is what I would say Trans Alps. But finally found a person that worked for the race, I'm like, why do you call it the Trans-Alp? Because we call them the Alps. And they're like, oh, yeah, just it sounds better in all languages. So that's why we cut the S off. I was like, this is, I don't understand you people. But aren't, isn't it plural, mountains? I mean, we went over a lot of mountains. <laughs> uh, had we just gone over one the whole time. Uh, yeah, just got back from the, the uh, Maxis Trans-Alp, and it was slated to be a seven-day mountain bike stage race starting in Austria, going briefly into Switzerland, and then the bulk of it was actually in Italy, northern Italy, um, all through the Alps. And uh, my God, is it beautiful over there. I've seen some footage of the Swiss Epic, which, you know, not exactly the same, but I've seen, like, those – somehow the mountains seem bigger. Yeah, so we've talked a lot <laughs> about that. Like, uh, you know, so – okay, so we're, we're in Denver, right? And so – we're in Castle Rock right now. The we're in the Rocky Mountains, but our mountains, like the peaks of our mountain, like where you and I will be racing for the Breck Epic, you Leadville, and then the Breck Epic. But where we'll be racing here in just a few weeks, that mountain actually starts somewhere in Nebraska. Right. 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 And so our mountains are very long. Right. And so we're at Denver. We're at you know fifty three hundred feet. And then we're going to go up to Breckenridge at like nine thousand feet. And then we're going to climb up to like twelve thousand feet. But when you're in Europe, you can be at a lake, which is not that far above sea level, and then boom, that's an 8,000-foot peak. Right. And so all of their mountains are lower. Like, you know, like 8,000 feet is about as, as high as, you know, you're, we're going to get to. All of their mountains are significantly lower, but the massive, the thing but, that you see yeah. is huge. Because you're looking at it from sea level. From low, yeah. yeah. And so 
and that's where it becomes really confusing. And I think it's also why, like, I had no altitude effects there. Right. Because we really weren't that high. Yeah. Um, but, dude, they look – I mean, they're they're unmatched to the mountains that we have. And we have some really pretty mountains here. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to take it away from Colorado. Like no, this. but they're just – I mean, just from the pictures that y'all posted, it's not the same. It's, you know, like, hey, I was just up in Breck doing a little uh, training ride up there on Monday. And – we got up to the top of Boreas Pass, and you look out, and that's pretty impressive. But it just like the mountains where you were seemed lush. Yeah. So, a couple of things that I think romanticized the the visual piece of it, and and that was like after like day two, you know, starting to get up day three, four, five, six, seven. You know, you get up, and I'm like, man, all I gotta do today is ride my bike in Italy. How amazing! Like I really started to settle into that. How how beautiful and amazing and it was. But what romanticized the whole thing is that not only are the mountains stark and you see them, but they build their villages like inside the mountains, like right. in the little gorges, in the like rivers, in the yeah. It's like every town looks like it's yeah. in a idyllic little valley. Yeah, and that's what you know. If we took our mountains and eliminated a lot of the wilderness area and said, hey, we're going to build tiny little villages in here. And oh, by the way, these villages have been around for like hundreds of years and they're going to have castles and shit. Like we, we would end up with something similar. It is, it's just, it's unbelievable. And to be fair, I was in the prettiest parts, in the prettiest towns that live on tourism. Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, so it, the, yeah. a race is going to specifically target yeah. the best parts of the destination so that people feel good about the multiple thousands of dollars that they spent to go on a group ride for 90% of the field. Yeah. yeah, it's dude, yeah. <laughs> So a um, couple of things about it, just right off the gate. That'll help like set the tone for, for going through this. One reason why the Breck Epic I think is so amazing is because you have one place that you stay at and then you do all of these routes from there essentially. Yeah. There's literally, you can wake up and go to sleep in the same spot the whole time. Yeah. And it makes it really easy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is good because the race is hard as fuck. Yeah, it's uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> Breck Epic, the riding of Breck Epic is harder than the riding of the Trans Alp. Sure. Um, even though the the numbers, like the Trans Alp numbers, are just absurd. Yeah. But the riding is is harder at Breck. Breck Epic still gets the, the tip of the hat, man. Yeah. You know, last episode we released was Hidalgo, and uh, <laughs> I said Breck Epic gets the tip of that. It's still what South America. I go to Europe. But it still gets it. Um, but one thing that the Trans Alp did so well is it it moved. We were in a different hotel every night. But the finish line of day one, day one we rode from Nauders, Austria, to another town in Austria that starts with an R and has 5,000 consonants. consonants. So I don't know the name of it. Um, but uh, the, the thing that was so cool is we started in Nauders and we finished in this other town. That finish line stayed up. And that was the start, start line, line for the next day. In every did they stage, do that every day? Every stage was like that. So you, so we, you know, we paid for the premium package as one could, does. Yeah, and you, like here you go. Tip number one: if you're doing an international race, pay for all of it. Pay for all of the features. Yep. Right? We got massage, we got bike maintenance, we got like food and dinners and hotels, like everything yeah. covered. Right? So just do it. It makes your life easy. You'll forget about the money that you spent extra. So I come through the finish line. Tons of food and drink, all the stuff. And then I roll over, give my bike to the mechanics. They're going to wash it, tune it, 
anything wrong with it. Like they were putting on new derailers, they were bleeding brakes, pads, like they were doing everything you needed if you needed it. Probably not using motor oil as chain lube. <laughs> no, not using motor oil <laughs> as chain lube. Maxis is the title sponsor, and so they were just, you know, you need a new tire? Cool. There you go. Which one do you want? Which yeah. one do you They had all of the Maxis line, which, by the way, there's a lot more tires that they offer. They have so many tires. And I was like, oh, I've never seen that one. Never seen that one. I'm like, this could be cool. So anyway, you drop the bike off to these guys. They're going to wash it, lube it, tune it, whatever. And then they put it in the bike park, which is covered and protected all night. You come back in the morning and your bike's ready to go. So... It was cool because when we started in Otters and we finished in Riva del Garda, Italy, we rode that entire distance. Right. Because of how they had started it right. and set it up. It was, and it was really cool. It seems to me like that's a good second alternative to the Breck Epic model. Yeah. Like if you can't yeah. have the Breck Epic thing, which is a pretty unique scenario to be able to replicate, Right. this sounds like a pretty solid second option. Yeah, because I mean, comparing it to, like, for instance, when we were at, in La Ruta in May – you know, we had those mornings where you have to shuttle to the next – like you had those and, logistics became I mean, a little like, weird. Shuttle, like driving from um, the volcano to the banana fields on the on stage three, like we got caught behind people who had nowhere to be and we had somewhere to be. Yeah. And it like added a lot of stress. Well, I mean, fortunately you had me driving. I mean, it, that just added to more stress. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know what the people well, we got there the people that were with me in europe would agree with you because yeah. i also had a car there yeah um uh, but anyway so so, <laughs> so the continuity of the race was really cool it, yeah. was, it was spectacular actually yep. in terms of support it's the most well supported event i have ever done hmm. like they they didn't miss anything super pro like I mean, cater to you, dude. Like you, you. If you were hungry or thirsty, you tried to be. Um, <laughs> right. If you right. got lost, it was your fault, yeah. not theirs. If you got lost, you tried to be. If you, if you got frustrated, it was because you are a persnickety little bastard. Like the, it's on you. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, they, it was so well taken care of. And then, uh, and this is something that I didn't know I needed until some mistakes that have been made earlier this year. But they would do all of the race instruction, the debrief and all that was the morning of at the start line in the corral. Okay. And they have all the corrals set up based on your finished position in your field the previous day. Sure. So it's all posted. So it's nice. So so you're not dealing with like having to get there super early because you're already in your in your corrals. Right. And then they would talk about the race course and they do it in German and then English. German, English, German, English. So you really felt like you weren't going blind. And, you know, we did the Trans Andes. We were pretty blind. We did Hidalgo. We were pretty blind, and, and you're not communicating. I mean, it was the same thing with LaRuda for me. Right. It's like literally every day there was a course change, but we didn't know. Yeah. Right? Because we're idiots. I don't know if we're idiots. We just don't speak Spanish. I mean. Yeah, I mean, but we went down there without any idea of how to speak <laughs> Spanish, and it was a fully Spanish-speaking race. But this was really yeah. nice. So yeah, yeah. Um, racing in Europe. Versus racing in Latin and South America. Racing in Europe is super comfortable. Like it's, you know, it's posh. Like yeah. it's, there's stores and there's abundance of things that you need. And, and it's, it's a higher socioeconomic kind of like strata, sure. yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, that makes sense. It's super comfortable. All of your phone service always works. Everything's reliable. Power's reliable. Water's always hot, right? Like, it's just it's it was very it's very nice. Water doesn't make you evacuate. 
three times in one night before the start of the race. <laughs> yeah, I felt. Oh, throughout Italy, actually, it was a, yeah, all throughout Italy, they would have. It's in Switzerland as well. There's just public water areas. It's yeah. like fountains. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, oh, they're like decorative fountains. And then you see people like filling up their bottles. And they're and like, yeah, no, we pull all this water. It comes right from the Alps and it just comes out of these spigots. It's for the and town. And you just, just drink and they're, it. They're all over. And you're just filling up your bottle and drinking it. I'm like, man, this is like, it is comfortable. What percentage of you wanted to just be like, man, I just want to ride bikes and live here full time? Well, we talked about that. Um, I actually... You know, I'm in a different spot in life than some other people that were on the trip. Namely, Elander was on the trip. Yeah. And Shane, Amir, and I were all like, dude, you need to put your your van on a freighter and just come over here and van life it for a summer. Yeah. Like throughout the out it would be it would be unbelievable. Well, and racing in Europe, like, man, if he if he did that, it'd be a level upper for him in the US. Perfect segue, dude. Let me tell you this. There's no secret why the Europeans smash us in everything bike-related. Those dudes, their training ground out there, I mean, it is it is insane. Yeah. Dude, I, uh, I got back Monday. I rode Monday night, but it was like a pancake flat loop around my house. And then Tuesday, I went and rode, and I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna, I need some climbing. I need more climbing. Like I'm in the rhythm of climbing now. So I went and I just rode, just real quick, from Morrison up to Evergreen. And that's for a lot of conversation that's like a substantial no, it's, it's not small and i'm riding up there i'm like dude this shit's like flat was it like it's like probably like 2800 feet from morrison up I to evergreen think it's that much yeah it's like i think it's like 1800 feet and yeah. every climb at the trans alp was like three to four thousand feet of in a short distance yeah like but, it's just all and so i'm like no wonder these dudes are just so strong like their roads are so steep and and not just the steepness they go forever right like Try to find a six-mile, eight-mile climb and get in, like, 4,000 or 5,000. Like, we just don't have a lot yeah. of those. And these dudes just beast up those hills. Yeah. Oh, man. Huh. Unreal. All right. Well, let's dig into the race. So you texted me uh, one morning some horrific numbers. Oh, dude. The, num- <laughs> the numbers. So um, let's start with that. So we ended up uh, – they ended up canceling stage four. Yeah. Not way ahead of time. They. It looked like you guys had lined up. Oh, we were fully lined up. We mm-hmm. were corralled. We were ready. Every day they do a countdown for the last 10 seconds, and they have this big arch that you go under. There's a big Maxis inflatable one, but mm-hmm. then there's an arch for each town has its own like labeled arch. Mm-hmm. So we're corralled up. Um, the race starts at 8 a.m. that day. All the other days started at 9 a.m. What a nice start. It's like Breck Epic, too. Like, thank you guys for and having me. The 8.30 my- start at Breck Epic is... Amazing, but they have. Uh, they did this stage was an 8 a.m. start because it was going to be a. It was going to be a hundred k, so it was going to be a 60 mile a day, with 11,000 feet of climbing. So a, a that's a big a day. lot. Yeah, it was going to. So the first climb was the token climb of the Giro d'Italia. Okay, the road climb up, and that was what was getting us over the first pass. We had to go over a few passes that day. So uh, it's raining. I wake up. It's raining. Uh, it's raining hard enough that I'm checking my email like every 10 minutes, right? <laughs> like, um, I'm going to keep getting ready. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we <laughs> get ready. But at the first sign of an email, I'm going right back to bed. Yeah, right? <laughs> so I got, my ra- I got my kid on. I got my rain jacket on. And because it is a moving deal, every morning when you woke up, we had to pack all of our stuff. Mm. And then we had – Abby was with us. 
and she was just an all-star dude like taking my bags down to the van loading up the van like she was just a stud and so we're all packed up I'm like all right throw the rain jacket on and and I brought my bike to the hotel that night so I rode to the start line and then the rain stops and the rain starts the rain so we're all corralled up and the it unleashes hell with rain and we're mm-hmm. like well, I guess we're still racing it's 755 it's 758 I'm like I hit start on my aftershocks I'm like all right well, there's lightning crashing there's thunder crashing and we're like man these guys are they're not hesitating like all right, and now Brian and I, we were corralled together. Uh-huh. And so we're like at the at the front of the deal in the A2 corral, and we're all jacked up. We're like, hell yeah, dude. Like, we're doing it, man. Let's, we're doing it. We're doing it. Yeah. Comes to the 10-second countdown, and I'm waiting to hear them start counting down. And then the countdown doesn't start at, at 7.59.50 like it normally does. They've done the announcements. They've done everything. Like, this race They're is going on. They're literally going on as if you guys are taking off. Bro, then it starts hailing. They don't slow down. We're going. <laughs> And we're like, oh, look, left and right. I'm like, all right, like these guys are crazy. Like, we're gonna do this. And so uh it's 10 second countdown, like, 15 seconds is ready to go, and then I don't hear him. What the hell? And then I look up and the Maxis inflatable arch has deflated in the middle, and I'm like, oh my god, it's got a lot of rain. And then trying to figure out what stopped them from doing the countdown, and now there starts to be all this confusion, and there's confusion around the tent, and there's confusion in the the UCI pro team fields there's confusion up there guys are getting off their bikes i'm like something's something's amiss and so now the skies have opened up and hell itself is just raining on us in form of hail and everyone's going for cover and i go for cover in the starter tent because i'm like let me figure out what's going on and now there's no more of this german and english conversation it is just all german and it is coming out <laughs> fast <laughs> like, it is coming hot <laughs> 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 They say when they say when training your dog, the words actually don't matter. Yeah, it's just, it's the, just tone. the tone. Yeah. And I can tell with the tone, shit has hit the fan. They're like, you need to get the fuck inside. So what ended up happening had nothing to do with the weather. These huh. lunatics were running the race. Um, the electricity went out, and so they couldn't say the countdown in the microphone. And that's what hesitated them with the countdown. And then the arch starts deflating. Like, all right, well, we'll move that if we can get the microphone. They couldn't get the microphone to work for the countdown because they had lost all power. All the power. And then because they lost the power, they couldn't communicate with the race director who was in a different location uh-huh. to let them know what was going on or him so that they could pivot. Uh-huh. So it just kind of fell apart all because the power went out. So I'm sitting there and I'm hearing all this German. And I'm like, all right, well, what are we going to do? And finally, one of the race organizers who recognized me is like, Hey, dude, get your group, go to the sports center. And so we had a ride maybe like two-thirds of a mile downhill on pavement to get to the sports center where we could all be like undercover and the bike park was there. And, and yeah, look, you guys had like little space blankets yeah, and shit because so everybody's so, wearing tights and yeah, yeah. it's cold, so, I'm, I'm sure. So I get that news and I'm at the front, so I get that news quick. And so I relay the news to Abby who relays it to like Amir and Shane that are further back. And then I hightail it to the sports center because it's about to get packed in there, right? I hiked, dude, I went two-thirds of a mile, and I was frozen. Yeah. Like, I was just, you know, I was drenched to the boat, and I was cold. So we get in there, and now it's like, it's kind of fun because now the adventure has begun, right? right. Like, this thing is, this thing's real, and we're in the Alps, and we're getting hailed on. And so uh, naturally, we, you know, we get four coffees and eight croissants, and we sit there, and it was just a super cool, like, communal thing. Yeah. Um, so it's day four didn't go. We ended up having to drive that stage, and they transport our bikes for us. But... In the six days we did ride, 
we got 210 miles in 40,000 feet of elevation gain. That's on par with the full Breck Epic, which we didn't get last year. Right, because of weather. Because of the same thing. Yeah. Um, what, what, was, what was rough is that the day's elevation came at you and it didn't stop. Right? Like, I just rode today out at uh, Indian Creek, right, out of Sedalia. And that's, that's steep, like, how to get some elevation. Like, I, did, I don't know, I did 15 miles and I got, like, 2,600 feet of climbing. But the climbs are all like, you know, you're going to have an eight-minute climb here and then a six-minute climb here and a 14-minute climb there. These were like every day you're going to have two over one-hour straight-up hill climbs. Right. One of the days, uh, that stage four that actually ended up not going off, was going to start off with a 17-mile climb Ugh. from the start. Ugh. You're going to climb 17 miles. And when I say climb, I mean my the we got so desensitized. Shane, I love Shane, dude. Shane did so much training for this race, and and it paid off because he performed so well. His body performed, his mind performed. Like he did a great job. And after like the third or so day, he was like, "Yeah, man, now I come up to like a grade, and I'm like, oh, it's twenty percent. We're gonna ride up a twenty percent grade, and you don't even bat an eye at it. Yeah, right. You go out to Green Mountain Fire Road, and you're at twenty percent. You're like, this is excruciating, right? Yeah. He's like, yeah, twenty percent, whatever. Like fifteen percent, yeah, pedal and no big deal. Like twenty eight percent, this is getting pretty spicy. Like, <laughs> so you just get so thrown off because these guys just go up. So the elevation comes at you fast and steady, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. So it's like, okay, what's today's route? I have two four thousand foot climbs. All right, and that's how the elevation came. So Jesus, different than the way Breck yeah. Epic does it. Yeah, because you'll get seven thousand feet over forty thirty eight miles. But it's five climbs. Five, six climbs, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And so um it was it was it was a lot. And uh and as steep as those mountains look visually for like the, the postcard. <laughs> they're the every stamps, bit that steep. They're every bit that steep when you're riding them. Um, um anybody who's been paying attention this year uh to the the journey that you're on, um, and for those who haven't, you're pivoting from dominating at a national level on single speed bikes to pivoting to this stage racer and learning a lot on the way. Did you go into this with a specific set of goals? The goal is always to win when you're a pro, right? Yeah. But yeah. So outside of like, I just want to win every stage and walk away with the overall, like were there other intermediate goals in there? Yeah. So, um, Europeans are fast. Um, I kind of had to be honest with myself, and I used working with Shane actually on this race uh, to help me get through that because we did the same thing with Shane. Like that question you just asked me, I'm asking Shane when we're getting prepped, the final coaching session to get prepped for the event. And I go, buddy, you have no idea who's there, what their caliber is. Like, yeah. So to think of a place is just there, – there's just no way to do it. But we could think about your effort and how do you want – your effort to look each day. Right. And the place will be what the place will be, right? Right, right. And so for me, uh, I didn't use power numbers. I didn't use heart rate numbers. Um, what I, my goal was going into the Trans Alp was this transition's been hard for me Yeah, this year. Um, you know, winning everything's awesome. <laughs> and when you do it for three what, years. What a shock. <laughs> and, yeah. You do it for three years on a specific discipline – your confidence is so high that I can go into a single speed race 
beaten, battered, and tarred. I can go into it yeah. sick, pissing out of my butt. I can go into yeah. it yeah. with a wonky spoke. I can go into it with things not working well and be like, yeah, but dude, I've just I've been doing this. Yeah. Right. Well, it's like you decided to do two days of the growler because you're like, I just need some wins. Like that mentality alone tells you everything you need to know about how you approach single speed racing. <laughs> right. You're like, I just need to go win some shit. Not like well, I need to go try to win some shit yeah. or depending <laughs> on who shows up, I need to get a podium. You're like, I just need to go win two back to back bike races and like flex a little bit. Yeah. And that says everything about what your mentality is. And rightfully, I mean, Hey, let's be realistic. You are the current national champion right. for single speed marathon distance. So you should roll into races going, I just need to go get a W. Right. <laughs> like, so that's how it's I been. just need a sip yeah. of water and I need a W. <laughs> uh, oh, I forgot my car. Like, it doesn't run. Yeah. I just, I get, I get, just give me what you got. And it's not like hubris or, or bravado or anything. It's just real, right? It's just what's been happening. Yeah. yeah. So and it's an attitude, right? You carry, like, you know. Um, so the stage racing, I haven't had a clean one all year. Right. I've had stuff, you know, if, if you guys listen to this episode or this podcast, Hidalgo put me in bed for like a day. Yeah. You know, I got wrecked. Um, the, the Moab rocks, like the weather and all the stuff we had going on there. And I was like in a jacked up situation with my ribs still because I'd crashed like an idiot beforehand. Uh, twice. The train <laughs> Twice. I mean, there's one we didn't even really cover, which was the one in Spain with yeah, the mechanical The mechanical issues. in Spain, We didn't dude. even talk about it. No, I got ruined on that. And then, like, uh, I mean, to the point, I, I, I literally took my cassette off twice in a o- race. On the course. <laughs> in a race. Like, <laughs> I, went, I went off course in Spain, riding around the little tiny little walkways of this town to try to get the bike to do the thing it was doing so the mechanic could see it. Like, that was a mess. Um the Trans Andes, I, I burned a groove. I, I, I destroyed the carbon on my rear triangle because of a, a wonky wheel. I rode through the frame. Yeah. Um, and I was popping so much Advil and CBD just to be able to function on that. And I was sick. Like yeah. I, So my goal to your question. <laughs> just have a clean race. I just wanted a flawless yeah. race. Yeah. I didn't need to necessarily say I'm going to win this thing. Yes, I wanted to. Sure. I had hopes of that. Uh, I just wanted to have a negative event free race right with my bike bike works with my body nutrition like with everything every part and um and i will tell you this i almost hit it <laughs> i uh you know i crashed in the race three times um the one crash i i did on day one making a pass on a descent and this guy goes careful man it's not worth it that's how hard i was riding the descent and i'm like Screw you, dude. You got me by like 30 pounds. I have to go fast downhill. Um, but I knew I was going to crash because I was making a pass on some some wet roots. Uh, and I watched it taking my front wheel, so I dove off the bike. Right. Um, broke a boa on a shoe and finished that day with a shoe flapping open. But not but so bad. Like, and it didn't really slow me down. And I yeah. gained a lot of positions. I was fifth that day. So I felt good about it. Um, well, and I think there's something to be said for you took a chance – Right. In a race. And so I it was a decision it. that yeah. you made. Drinking water that made you ass piss <laughs> wasn't really a choice. Right. You know, your wheel fucking up in Spain wasn't really a choice. So it's like, it's one thing when you're in control of an unfortunate, like, I knew that 
this was a 50-50 shot. I wanted to get around this guy. There was it, So it was a decision. Yeah. It was a race decision. And you know what? It still worked out because I passed them both. Yeah. And I jockey jumped back on the bike and stayed. And then I never saw them again. I could put 12 minutes on them. So, right. um, so I crashed. I crashed another time um, on day two. I, again, made a pass and then looked at my six to see how much space I had on the pass afterwards and lost sight of the trail a little bit, washed out a front wheel, unfortunately went down to Screefield, 30 feet, and the <laughs> Allied is just screaming down the side of this mountain, and I'm like, well, that's never stopping. Um, and fortunately, it smashed into a boulder and stopped like 30 feet below me. I was like, well, I got to get it. And so I stepped down to go get it, and I lose my feet immediately, and now it's I'm a on my ass. Sliding down sliding. the Screefield. And fortunately, I smashed into the bike that had smashed into a rock to stop me, and I climbed back out of it, but still... I made the pass, and it didn't really cost me much time. Right. So I'm like, all right, this is worth it. Um, I made a wrong. You're the guy that when somebody, like when, like some guy in a like a lifted truck with like a dually and a diesel exhaust screams by, you're like, man, I hope I see that guy in a ditch. <laughs> you're the guy in the ditch. I'm the guy in the ditch. And then, but the guy climbs out of the ditch, and he yeah. comes screaming past you yeah. again, completely unfazed. <laughs> That he just went into a ditch. Golden Retriever. That's what yeah, we've said so many yeah, times, right? Yeah. Um, so my goal was to have a flawless event. Um, and I think, like, mountain bike, especially packing five, six, seven days of mountain bike racing, you know, racing, you're at the edge the whole time, physically, mentally, skills, equipment, everything's so at the edge. Some crashes, I think that's just going to be part of it. Right. Right. It's like I, I, I don't think you can count that against having a clean run at this race. No, you, you watch like even um we watched with watching World Cup. Mm-hmm. You see some of those guys, the top dude, they'll crash and then they're like thirty spaces back and then they get back into the race. Like, yeah, they're just like a this crash is... doesn't mean your race is over. No. Even at that level. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um so so that was my goal was to have a clean race. Uh total consumption. <sighs> 60 scoops of carbo rocket, right? Uh-huh. Over the course of the six, of the seven days because I had prepped that stuff. Uh, zero GI problems. Yeah. I never bonked. I never cramped. Testament to the bike fit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm using my, my muscles so much more efficiently and equally and balanced in a way that I've never felt before. And I, I thought it made me slower, but it's making me more durable. It's been amazing, so I had no cramps. I mean, I literally had almost pulled it off, um, but I didn't. I did make an error. I I took a wrong turn, um, and I own it because it was on me, and I'll tell you why it happened, but I, I took a wrong turn, and it ended up costing me about between 15 and 20 minutes on day two, and it almost sent me spiraling in a bad way, right. like mentally. <clears throat> um, I was able to get over it, fortunately, because I had a different problem, and so solving a different problem. So, so you know, that's like guys punch holes in walls, not because we think that it's going to solve our problem, right? But we punch a hole in the wall because now I get to fix the wall. Yeah. And at least something feels yeah, good. Yeah, something else. Like the thing that I got me mad, I can't about. fix it, yeah. but I can fix this broken phone or this hole in the wall. Yeah. Um, and so that's what happened. So I, I, I almost pulled it off. And the reason my goal was to have a flawless event, and this actually is, is another tip for people who are doing blind events or first-time events. If I have a flawless event, I have a real measurement on how good I am based on where I'm at, my fitness, my training, my approach, my, my skills. Like, it's a fair assessment. When you, have a, when you have a race 
full of issues, you're living in the world of like what could have been. Yeah, like and what so you, if? What yeah. if I hadn't had a flat? What if I hadn't yeah. taken a wrong turn? What? And what, you what, don't what, really what? know how good you are then. Yeah. Like, it, because that's what racing is. You find out how good you are. Mm-hmm. Sorry, it's not a participant ribbon thing. It's uh, this is how good you are. Like for me, I found out I'm seventh place in a European race. There was like fifty something in our cat in our category. Um, they don't let you race. It was a UCI event for teams, and so they would have uh, two man teams, two person teams. Oh, so them. duos, yeah, duos. Yeah. It was a UCI like top level race for teams, but for solo racers, there wasn't an elite or pro field. So just everybody raced age group. Everyone races, yeah. So they have U twenty three, they have twenty four to thirty nine. That's a big group. 24 to 39, and that was just sing- solo men. And then they had the 40 to 49 was uh, solo men masters, and that's where I was at. Then 50 to 59 is grandmasters, and then they had senior grandmasters for above 60. So that's how they, so my field was, was, was 50. I ended up seventh place. Um, I was also right around there in the overall each day in the solo category as well. Right. Um, that's where I'm at. I made one wrong turn. Probably cost me that fifteen to twenty minutes. I was potentially looking at maybe a fifth or something. I was gonna place. say maybe moves you from top ten to top five. But the top maybe. three, the top three guys had a gap. Um, wasn't gonna touch them. Uh, I found out what I'm great at, and I found out what I'm not great at. And what I learned on the race is we need to, as racers, accept the things that we're not great at, but it doesn't give us an, an excuse to not try hard at them. But then if we have areas that we're great at, we need to lean into them even harder when racing. Mm-hmm. So I think it's better to explain that. Like about 80 kilos is my weight. And I'm going to go European, right? Um, about 80 kilos. The guys that I was racing against, I was real contentious with like one through six, one through seven, talking with these guys they're they were roughly like 60 to 65 kilos. So if I'm 15 kilos heavier than these dudes, no matter what I do uphill, once we get above three percent, they're riding away from me. Yeah. There's the and if I expend, say I burn all my matches. You can't fight science. Yeah, you can't fight you can't fight the numbers. So if I say I'm like, you know, I'm gonna turn myself out, I'm gonna go four hundred and thirty watts up this climb. Which would just deplete me yeah. very quickly over the course of like a forty five minute climb, right? Right. I'm just gonna go up, I'm just gonna blast it for the Hard as I can. Right. They're still gonna ride away from me. Because I can't be that much stronger to offset fifteen kilo, right? So that's why strength to weight works. But when I get to the flats, into the descents, not only does my weight not hurt me, my power then in all the muscle that I carry helps me. So I lost times in all the climbs. This has been the theme of the stage racing thing, right? I talked about this in, at the Transandes. I talked about this with Spain. Like with the climbs are where I'm losing. Yeah. What I learned at Transalp was I need to go even harder on my strengths to make up for it. Right. So I was losing anywhere between like five and 15 minutes on the climbs to these dudes. And I would catch them on the descents because when I got to the flats and the descents, I turned myself out. I didn't like rest on my laurels and my ability. I had to turn myself out and I would catch them and pass them. And that commitment allowed me to stay placing where I was up and stay at the the top of the field. Mm -hmm. But 
it's hard to do that, right? It's hard to like keep yourself honest to that. Yeah. And I learned at this race that that's what I needed to do. Like you got to do your strengths even stronger because you're not, I'm not going to change my weakness. Well, yeah. And I think that's a, an important thing is like, it makes a limited amount of sense. Like since, since, since I've known you, you've consciously decided to like try to get smaller from a muscle mass perspective, um, much to your, your own chagrin, but yeah. like, all in the pursuit of this goal of being a, a pro, right? So it's like I was but, doing knee push-ups a month ago, and my father-in-law walked in the garage, <laughs> and I'm on my knees doing push-ups. He's and like, I looked what the back fuck at him. Are you doing? I looked back at him, and I was like, I might as well just be in a pink tutu right now. Like this guy is not impressed by me. <laughs> it's like uh, knee anyway. push-ups, dude. Do a fucking knee push-ups when he walks in, and I'm just like mortified. I'd rather him caught me like naked with my penis in my hand. I'm, okay. <laughs> Fucking knee push-ups. Um, but there is uh, a diminishing return, right? Like, so like realistically, how light could you get? And dude, you're a tall guy, you know. Yeah. Like you look at uh, Matthew uh, Vanderpool and Walt Van Art. They're pretty big dudes. Yeah. Like all things considered, they're about your size. Uh, yeah so much stronger than me. Well, they're, they're also they're young insane. and like, you know. Doesn't matter, they're monsters. Yeah, no, they're they're genetic freaks. Like the order of operations, genetics, yeah. training, grit, yeah. and luck. Yeah. But it's in that order. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like No, and they're just genetically gifted. I mean, like they're you know, you know there's things everybody talks about FTP, nobody ever talks about like VO2 max. Like some people are just born with an insane VO2 max. Like, yeah, you can train it a little bit, but, like, you know, some people can just do more oxygen, right? Like, full stop. Yeah, people argue the genetics thing is, like, a cop-out. I've even, I've even been shit. in, way, like, in my super ego days, I've even been that guy. You, know, you have one, one statement. Then why aren't there any five foot five dudes playing in the NBA? <laughs> right. Okay? Genetic, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You don't see, like, a wafy, thin, super scrawny, skinny dude, like, as a roughnecker in the oil fields. No. Okay. Nope. It's just like, it's just, some people are just built for things. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's just, there's no way around it, but all that is to say for you to, it doesn't make any sense to say that you're going to try to get down to 150 pounds from 180 pounds. Yeah. It's just, it's it, just fucking yeah. stupid. Yeah. There's like, there's, you would do more. So let's say you lose 30 pounds cause it's going to be muscle, right? The way that your body composition is right now. I mean, I got like seven percent body fat, so we could take it maybe a tiny bit. But that's like, but like how much? That's like five pounds, six right. pounds to get you down to like super vascular, crazy lean. Yeah. So then you're losing, you know, twenty five pounds, pounds of muscle. muscle. Yeah. I mean, it's so like what happens to your FTP? Right. And does the math work out for like, okay, I was four point eight or five point two watts per kilo or whatever, and now I'm five point five or five point six. Like there's a a, a, a a spot where it just doesn't right the, the the math doesn't pencil. The guy who, this guy from the Netherlands, he's he's awesome dude that I'm racing with, and we got to know each other pretty well. He he actually, it took him three days of getting flats before I was like, dude, will you just put like four pounds more pressure? <laughs> He's like, well, what's PSI? They're all bar. You it's all know? bar. And I'm like, I don't know the math, dude. I just know this: yeah. more air. Because yeah. on day three, he flats, and I ripped past him on a downhill because he obviously was faster than me on an uphill. And he and I'm asking him what he needs because at this point we've developed a bit of like a race race friendship. 
And he's trying to tell me what he needs, but I don't want to slow down. It was actually day two. I don't want to slow down to hear the whole statement. So I just reach into my back and I grab my kit and I threw the whole thing at him. And Find me later. On, that was on the stage two day, the 100K day. And uh, as soon as I rode away, I'm like, well, I better have a good clean day then. <laughs> <laughs> like I just gave my, All my entire shit. kit to him. Yeah. And, and fortunately, then I, the next thought was when, you're, when you do that good of a deed, the world just doesn't conspire against yeah. you to get like you're the not gonna get a flat. Yeah, you're not gonna get a you. Like yeah. you just gave everything away. Yeah. Um and it bailed him out. Was, but uh so anyway, he was one of the guys I talked to and he said, he goes, Man, I love cycling because he's like, I've been skinny my whole life and this is the only place that's good for me. Yeah. And it's just it's just the truth. So I'm not I'm not trying to cop out. I just know that I'm not going to bridge that gap on the climbs, it's an accepted loss. Sure. And so to make up for the loss, right? Like remember when you picked your like racer in like old PlayStation game, you know, not they didn't have all the handling and the power and the top speed. Yeah. Like you had to make a conversation. So for me, when I got to flats and when I got to descents, I had to turn out. Yeah. Um well and, just like those guys out. know that they gotta send it on the climb, right? Right. Because they're one foot skittering when they're rigid posts yeah. on the descents. Yeah. Which, yeah. that's a universal thing. South America, Latin America, the U.S., and Europe, there are more XC bike racers skittering with the one foot out on the rigid posts. And I'm like, guys, mountain biking is fun, you know? Like, if you if you learn how to really do it, it's super fun. Like, training an engine is great. Going uphill, fast, obviously wins races. That's But I can't believe I'm about to say this. And it's because I don't think I'm losing my fire. I think I'm becoming, I think I'm learning how to speak about this sport because of the success that I've had in some of the struggles I'm, I'm witnessing now. I'm able to see it like a little bit more fully. And you know what I loved doing? Six days of mountain biking in the Alps was really fun. Yeah. And when I watch these guys skittering on the trail and like like suffering, like, like you guys are not like, having fun. Like guys, mountain biking is fun. It should be. It was so much fun. Yeah. Um, these routes each day, tons of climbs. Yeah, sure. Every day had like basically two monster climbs. Uh huh. Some had two and a half. As Shane so succinctly, he's like, "Oh, we have two and a half climbs today." I go, "No, Shane, we have two climbs, and it's just this little thing." He's like, "That's not going to feel like a little thing." And I'm like, "No, I know." Um, but that's how I need to think about it. <laughs> yeah, it's two climbs. You press it how you do, and I do, and I'll you know we'll we'll see you at the finish line. Um, but you come out of these climbs, and you're descending in. You're descending into these little towns. You come through these tiny little towns on pavement, you know, and they're dry, and you're just whipping through them, and it's just unreal. And then there's a castle, and then you know, day six we climbed up this the second climb on day six uh, we climb up and. You top out on this ridge, and you we descended a gravel road on the other side, but it was it was a very narrow gravel road. It was built by the U.S. and, and Allied forces to get troops and supplies to the top of this ridge to take over this. Like so, it's history, and you're right. ripping through these. T- I mean, it's just just jaw dropping, um, jaw dropping. But I made one mistake. Sometimes in racing. We forget who we're there for and what we're there to do. Every time I've had a mistake, it's because my mind has wandered or my focus has wandered, mm-hmm. right? On day two, it was a very long day. And towards the end of it, 
my strengths really start to shine because I do have that durability, right? right? Like I haven't been the XC guy that's moving into stage and endurance. I was the endurance guy that's moving into stage that have a lot of XC style energy. So the 100K day was my day. So the back half of the course is where I get to shine. So I'm coming to the back half of the course and we end up out in this field and the cows, like, dude, the cows that are out there, these massive cows, these massive, everyone has a bell. So all you're hearing all day are like, is that the day you countryside. like posted from behind the cow? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, the bells, and you're just like, this is just this ideal, like, as you had said, anyhow. So we end up on this road climb, we descend into single track, and out in the middle of freaking nowhere, dude, is a giant hut, and it's a mountain biking hut. It, they do mountain bike like adventures and group rides and all the and they're all on e bikes they're all on like e mountain bikes out there uh-huh. and it's just in the middle of nowhere in the middle of this like in the in these mountains and you're just like this is just um it's like it's heaven right go past this hut steep climb up and now we're climbing single track and riding single track so I'm like hell yeah we're in it and I come across these two dudes and they're doing the one foot skitter thing and I call it the pass and I pass them. Uh, I pass them and then I drop. Now the thing about passing people is it's such a boost. Like you forget that your legs hurt or that you're tired or whatever. And so I drop these dudes like bad habit. Of course, makes a hairpin turn, climbs up a little bit of a road back to single track techie, super techie. And I'm riding through all this. I get through it past two more dudes. They can't do the te- pass through. I'm, I'm like, dude, this ally descended. I'm having fun. I come screaming down in the descent, and who do I see? Those two dudes that I passed on the climb, and they're the um, a specialized team out of Israel. They come up and they get right behind me off of a side trail. And I look back and instantly I know what happens. They skipped the hairpin turn. They skipped all the technical, probably cut out like two miles of trail. And they've just rejoined the race course. And so the first thing I do, I turn back and I go, you guys cheated. I go, you guys are cheaters. Yeah. And then they act like they don't understand me. If you're racing a $13,000 bike, and you're racing for specialized Israel from Israel. Like, let me tell you what, dude. You know English, okay? <laughs> I'm not like, I, I yeah. don't, if I get canceled for saying that, like, they, they know English, okay? Um, so I'm like, you guys are cheaters. This is bullshit. And I take off, keep going. They're a team, and they catch up to me. And they signal for me to get on their hip because now we get to, like, a, a road section. Yeah. And so I do. I tuck in behind them. I'm going to take the free pull, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're hammering through. We have one last climb up a, up a ski resort hill, and then we're going to drop into this town called Lavinia which is a beautiful little ski village in the deal. So we're climbing up, we're climbing, we're getting towards the top and we're almost at the top and I turn back and I wanted to drop them because I was so pissed that they cheated. Like it just, it just rubbed me so, for whatever reason. Like it just hit me in a moment. Yeah. I mean, I'm PMSing or something, I don't know. And I'm just pissed. And so I turn back and I start just giving it to them again. I'm like, you guys cut the call. Like you fall in the arrows, you fall. Like that's just, that's not right. You guys need, you guys need to admit to it. That's not right, you know? Yeah. And I'm giving them a hard time, giving them a hard time. And then I look back at the course. I see a yellow arrow left, and I turn left right away. They follow me. It's a straight downhill descent down the front of this, like, ski resort. Serpentine, bermed turns. I mean, yeah. I'm flying. Just dude. amazing. Leaning, it's sick. But I know about the third bermed turn that I was not supposed to turn left. Like, I know I'm off course. And I had forgotten to change my Wahoo back. Um, I like to use the feature, um, the reroute feature, uh, especially when I'm doing dawn to dust camps or right. training rides. So it'll get you, if you get fucked up, it'll yeah, get you get where you, you need back. to go. Yeah. You know, it's very helpful when you're doing like, when I'm guiding and things like that. Yeah. It is a terrible feature when For you're racing. racing. So I get the awkward beep that I know it's doing the reroute and then the color changes. 
to a blue. And I'm like, but I'm still descending this thing and I'm flying. And these two dudes are behind me and I'm dropping them. And I'm like, why? I, so I just finish it. And I get to the bottom <laughs> and I get to these streets. And now there's not a yellow arrow to be found anywhere. Now, this course was so well marked, right. but this was a goofy little spot. Uh-huh. Um, I get to the town and it's people like walking around with like gelato and coffees and they're uh-huh. shopping. And I'm like, they do not know a bike race is going and, on. And I look and I'm like, and I look down at my computer and I realize I can go straight about 1500 meters. And the finish line is right there because it finishes in this uh, town. Oh, okay. But the route stayed up on the hill, did a little descent, another tiny little climb, and then went side saddle, left town, and then circled back into town. Okay? So there was probably another, like, five another, miles. Another of bit of riding. Bit of racing. And I get to the bottom, and I'm like, fuck. And I know exactly what I have to do. Because what I want to do is ride straight <laughs> on this cobblestone <laughs> Freaking just be beautiful done. shopping yeah. district yeah. and be done. But these two dudes behind me, I just got done reading them the freaking riot act. You're like, uh, I can't do it. Yeah. So you got to climb back up. I look up at that ski and I'm like, I got to climb back up that thing. And uh, there was a moment, I was down there for probably a couple of minutes. I really had a real like <laughs> integrity debate. Yeah. And these guys come up behind me and they just keep on going. No integrity. I climb back up the hill. The climb was so steep. It was brutal. I get back up there, and when I get back up and rejoin the course, Amir is right there. Amir has just passed in front of me. I holler at him, and he sees me below him, and he's like, he told me later, he's like, what is he doing? He's like, I hope I don't have to go down there. Do I have to go down there and then climb back up? Like He's thinking, you know, um, and even worse, and this is not a slam to Amir, it's just where we're at and and where we are as racers. Different different humans. But um, I realize how far back I got. Right. Because of the mistake. Well, the whole downhill and then the whole climb back up, plus the time to like gut check your, totally. your ethics. <laughs> and now I'm like, that just cost me like 15 or 20 minutes, and yeah. I'm furious. Yeah. Right? So, fortunately, at that point, I had switched over to Eminem. I needed it on my Aftershocks. And I go and I punch past Amir, and I just obliterate the rest of the single track. And then you descend in and get on the road. I'm coming back towards, and you know, the race kind of does some of this stuff. And I know they're navigating traffic and all these things too. So I'm coming back into the town on pavement to finish. And I'm just, I'm dropped down on my togs and I'm just punching the pedal. So I mean, I'm flat pedaling 23, 24 miles an hour. Yeah. I'm just nuking it. And these freaking bastards that cut the course are riding back the opposite direction. They've already not only finished, but finished so long that they're now riding to their hotel from the finish. And they pass me, and I just have nothing but some words for them. Yeah. Make it to the finish line. Uh, Ian Lander had a great day that day. Uh, he took first on the day for the U23. And he's like, all right, man. And then I just come through, and I have <laughs> different like, words. You're like, I don't want to. Um, I ended up talking to the race director to let him know. You know, I'm like, hey, there's uh, literally another yellow arrow. I talked to the mirror. I talked to Brian. They both saw it as well, but they saw the next arrow like 10 feet later. Uh-huh. I was so wrapped up in in, in – Telling these, these guys, guys what's right and wrong that I wasn't worried about me. And I make the wrong move. And now I'm trying to backtrack it and see how do I undo the mistake. There's no undoing the mistake. The done. mistake is made. It's done. Um, so I sat in it and I accepted it. I ate some ice cream that night. A lot of ice cream that night. I let my heart get filled. Yeah. Uh, and the next day my, my new mantra started, which was, I just got to ride my bike in Italy today. Yeah. You know what? All I have to do is ride my bike to Italy today. And that was very helpful. It was very helpful for me to get to that spot. 
Um, and it was just a reminder, like, hey, pay attention. So the other thing about fuel, though, is it comes in different forms. Right. Day six, second climb. I'm working, but, dude, it is long. It is a long climb. And I'm not getting past. I'm having a great day. I look behind me. I see a team come up. It's a Red Bull team. Uh, it's actually a co-ed team. And they're both the current Austria national champions. Mm-hmm. And the guy's a world champion. I don't know exactly what discipline, but he's world champ as well. Uh, Brian looked him up, and he thought the, the female racer was a world champion. They are strong. Mm-hmm. And this dude's so strong that he's able to push her from behind when she starts to fail a little bit. <laughs> and they had this beautiful technique that I wish I knew for Abby and I at Breck Epic last year. But on the climb, he would have his hand on her back, pedal for a while, and then he would shove her. She would click two gears, stand up, and pedal out of the saddle, and then he would bridge back up. That so would have been perfect for day six for Abby. Dude, it was like, That was exactly what you needed for exactly day six for needed. Abby. It was perfect. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I didn't know. Yeah. So um, I'm riding with them, and, and I'm trying to get away from them. And they're just they're they're really strong, and I'm I'm getting a little bit of a gap, and I look back and I'm paying attention to where they're at, paying attention to where they're at, which is hilarious because you're not even racing them. No, but you you're looking for anything. Yeah, right. You're grabbing at straws. Who do I see come up behind them? The two guys. Oh, on this specialized team. Yeah, the two guys. And I see him, and I'm like, that is it, dude. And I reached in my back, and I got this new product that I bought in Italy. It's, it's not here in the U.S., but it's basically just a flask shot of 200 milligrams of caffeine. That's it. There are no calories in this thing. Just straight to your brain. <laughs> just gasoline. Yeah. And I was, like, making a, bet, a deal with myself. I was like, I right, get to 2,000 feet remaining, and you can do it. Get to... I saw those guys, and I was like, oh, hell no. It's on. Pull that thing out, shot that. I didn't sit down again until I topped out. I spent the next like nearly 2,000 vertical feet uh, over the course of a few miles, and I just stayed out of the saddle. I was like, y'all ain't never met an American single speeder. Watch this. Click, click, click. Yeah. And stood up and just dumped the field. Um, they don't know any of this. <laughs> no, this is all internal victories, <laughs> every bit of it. But I got to the end of that day on six, so the second to last day, and I get to the end of it, and I have come full circle with these guys. And now I'm like, ah, they're pretty cool. Yeah, that's like, fine. I, I don't even, I've, I've now used that fuel. Yeah. And now it's just kind of, it's, yeah. and, and, and this all happened. Just burnt that fire out, whatever, <laughs> <Just> move on. <laughs> uh, day seven, the last day, we finished in this town called Riva del Garda, which is, um, words can't describe how beautiful this town is on a giant lake. This lake is so big. It's got like, you know, waves come in off of it. It's, like, it's this giant lake one of the top sailing places in the world, and uh, just beautiful. Uh, I, jam- I jumped in and swam in that thing a few different times. And uh, we're going to finish in this town. And they called the last day the easy day. Like, oh, I know. love it when they say it's the easy, easy day. day. Yeah. That's what they say about uh, fucking day two of Breck Epic, the Colorado Trail Day. They're like, oh, this is like a really fun, like pretty easy day. And then you look at the climb in the middle of that fucker, and you're like, there ain't shit that's easy yeah. about this. It's no. fun, yes, yeah. absolutely, it 100%. Pretty, it's enjoyable. It ain't easy, no. you motherfuckers. Here, here was the easy day. It was, uh, it was 29 miles and 5,300 feet of climbing. 
I mean, comparatively. No, that's not it. Like, if you and I are going to go do a ride when we finish this episode, and I'm like, hey, dude, we're going to go do a ride. It's, it's 29 miles and 50 some odd, 5,300 feet of climbing. You're going to look at me with cross eyes. You did that to me already this year. Yes. And you're like, we're going to go do 32 miles and 6,000 feet of climbing. It's going to be fun. It's exactly what I said to Brian I mean, when we were going to the start line. I go, dude, we have two laps of Warren Gulch today. It was fun. It, but it's not easy. It's not easy. No. like It's, so, so <laughs> it's like, a fucking myth. I'm like, what do you mean easy? We just have been riding for six days also. <laughs> Let's not ignore the fact that like I'm living on Norma Tech and Amp Ocean right yeah. now, okay? Yeah. Uh, so it's the easy day, right? It's two climbs, two descents. Right. Um, okay, fine. And it's the last day. So all of us went into this and we're like- You do kind of ride the high of it yeah, being the last day. Yeah. And you know what? Shane had asked- um, I love Shane, but he's he, he such a like a, a heady, like a cerebral dude. He's, he, yeah, he wants to like, a lot of brains in there. Totally right. Um, <laughs> so he's like, he's like, what's my what's my motivation today? You know, because he he kind of was where he was in his yeah. field. Yeah. Um, and, and he did phenomenal. It looked like his finishing time was awesome. Yeah, he was great. Um, but there's a lot of really great fifty to fifty nine year old racers in Europe, right? Yeah. And so he uh, there's a lot he's here like, too. What's my what's my motivation today? And I was like, well, how about this? In a day, in a week, in a month, in a year, you're going to look back at this experience and be like, that was absolutely amazing. But this is the only time you get it. So your motivation today, this is the only time you get it. And you're going to be begging to be back here in a week, in a month, in a year, as you reflect on this while you're doing whatever it is that you're doing. That's your motivation. This is the only time you get it. He's like, damn, that's good. And I'm like, I know. And then I was like, shit, I'm going to remember that for myself. Yeah. So we start, stick that <laughs> we start that for the day. And I was like, I'm going to turn myself out. You know, you start to know in the field, especially on a stage race, same with like Breck Epic, right? You start yeah. to, you'll, you recognize people. Like, See oh, your I've people. Been, I've yeah, been riding with them. I've been should, riding yep. with them. Yeah. So my goal for the last day was I need, I want to move up a level. I'm going to, because I've been, I've been climbing with these guys and then descending with those guys climbing and and I finish here. I go, you know what? I want to climb with the group just above me. Um, so I turned myself out. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't have to save anything for the next day. No. At that point, it's like burn every match, burn the book. All of it. You know, like. Yeah. House coming down. Yeah. I actually said to myself at one point when I was climbing, I said, you need to cramp. I go, you haven't cramped. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Why have you not cramped? Yeah. And so, um, so I did, and I, did, I leveled up, hard, and it was it was a beast of a day. And the final descent is a bunch of marbly, chunky stuff, which was great. It's like real, legit mountain biking. And then we duck into these vineyards, and we actually descended. You know, just like you had that experience in Laruto when you're descending the coffee the field. coffee field. Look how amazing that is, yeah. right? Or uh, when I was in Colombia a couple of marches back, and I went through a, a pineapple field. Like these are like types of experience. So descending a vineyard in Italy. A steep hillside vineyard. Yeah, you're like, into an, is this in, my life? <laughs> I was like, I, my smile was so big, yeah. my face hurt, right? Yeah. My glasses couldn't stay on. Yeah. Um, so I'm flying down, and then it gets to the town road, and I come blazing by, and who do I see? I'll go to my right, and I freaking see Brian walking his bike. <laughs> and, Not walking his bike. Carrying his bike in one yeah, hand. Carrying his bike in one hand and the wheel in wheel the other. Wheel in the like, other. legit issue. And it actually was helpful to see because I knew his issue must have been so bad because Brian's super resourceful. Like, that dude can yeah. fix some stuff. Yeah. He was so backwards on whatever he was dealing with <laughs> that I knew my two tire levers and two CO2s. Like, Not going to help. I got a chain link, but, like, you're a chain. You're a lot of far away from it's, a chain link. 
it's the exact scenario of the day you blew up that ibis wheel at Bergen oh, Peak at the top you and mean. people are like what can I do and you're like I don't know do you have a fucking wheel like <laughs> right. it was that right. that level right <laughs> like, so that's where he was at so when I went by him all all you hear was all he heard rather was hey man I'm so sorry just gone yeah you know because I'm not and I was in a pursuit of this dude from Latvia and so I was tucked in and I was hammering you're drilling it um but I really like so I, I ended up finishing my day and that poor kid just went on a – he had he was he was third wheel overall. Right, yeah. So he was gonna he was he, he was, was gonna he was gonna podium, podium the stage overall. Right. Win the U twenty three stage. He would have finished still second in the U twenty three overall. Like the dude was on the podium every day. Yeah. Okay. Um I saw that happen and I was like, oh man. And it kind of like really like, And it's like in the last few miles, right? Like yeah, he was like under five. Yeah, under five miles from the finish line. Um so like I'm flying through the finish line, and I, I'm I'm pretty jubilant. And I did I had a sprint finish with this dude from my because he was sitting my wheel from the moment I passed Brian. I caught the dude maybe like a quarter or a half mile later, yeah. And then he got on my he wheel. He probably sat behind you. He's like, I'm gonna let this big dude pull me to the, the finish whole, line, dude. So we're on this bike path, like this narrow bike path, yeah. And uh, we didn't go below 22 miles an hour. We were up to like 28 on a and bike he, path. And he probably didn't do a pull. He just sat, no, he just sat on my wheel. And yeah. I'm like, that's fine. And I also don't, I'm a very bad second wheel rider anyway. Right. Um, because I like to see, like I want, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's, it's scary to like be Dude, so reflexive second wheel. I, I hate um, riding second wheel. So, so we come through and we dump onto a street. We do a couple of roundabouts and there's flaggers everywhere. We're doing it. And then we come in and he tries to slingshot me. And I just look at him like, dude, you ain't got it. Yeah. And I just emptied it through the finish line. Yeah. Um, it was awesome. Lay on my brakes and yeah. take a swig of water, grab a piece of watermelon. And I haven't got like finisher medal, finisher jersey, finisher no, no, picture. No, nothing. Celebrate with Abby. I'm sitting there and I take one bite of the watermelon. I'm like, what am I doing? Wait a second. Brian's we, out there. We got a man down. We got a man down. And we have this, him and I have the same bike. I can go give him my wheel. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, and that's not against the rules, right? People get support. They have, they have trail vehicles. They have, yeah. like, you can get mechanical support. I'm like, I'm going to get my wheel. So, so I, I dropped the watermelon and I cook back in the opposite direction to find him. And now he's still, you know, four miles away, right? Yeah. He's walking. You know, yeah. he's click clacking in his high heels yeah. with the broken Carrying bike. Carrying a bike. Carrying a bike. So I get there. He's very reluctant to, to take the bike. Um, that's just his, his high level of integrity. He's like, no, I got to finish on this bike. And I'm like, bro, you can take the bike. Okay. So you pivot from giving him your wheel to just being like, fuck it. We both have Shimano pedals. Yeah. It's take it's, my bike. It's faster. And yeah. Literally, dude, he's, he's four miles of pavement, yeah. and bike path, pavement, yeah. pa- all paved to the finish line. So just easy. And he's already out of his position. Yeah. So it's just pedal. Just finish. Right? Just get the, get the finish. Um, so I get my bike, and now I'm carrying his bike. Bearing in mind that you ride an XL and he rides a medium. <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of a – yeah, he put the – he actually dropped my uh, – because I got a transfer SL post, yeah. like the 125. Uh-huh. He dropped the post, and it was actually perfect fit for him with the post <laughs> dropped. <laughs> I was like, you know, I thought about that because, you know, that, that, that post is up or down only. And I was like, man, well, like, what did he do? Did he just stand up and pedal no, the whole time? No, he just put it down. It was actually quite perfect. Oh, uh, well, there you go. Um, so he pedals away, and I walk with his bike for about five minutes. And I'm like, this is dumb. This is bullshit. Because I, I don't need to walk because I'm done racing. Yeah. So I flag a van. I get a van. This awesome dude from the Italian dude pulls over. Uh, he's telling me about his one trip in his whole lifetime to America, and yeah. he's got a little English, and I got no Italian. Right. 
So we get me close to the finish line. I'm like, oh crap, you know what Brian's gonna do? Brian's gonna, Brian's gonna come back. He's gonna finish. And then he's, and gonna, he's gonna ride back to me because he's like, well, I don't, Justin shouldn't be carrying my bike, you know? Right. And I'm like, but I'm at the finish now. And so I got a little bit of a walk or whatever. So I text him, hey dude, don't come get me. I'm at the finish. And I'll get a response. I'm like, that's weird. Because he should be done. Yeah. And, and the four miles should have gone dude, like that was, for him. Uh, like I said, dude. You're going four miles of bike path going fast. Fast as crap, right? Yeah. He doesn't respond, so I'm like, oh. so, so I call him. And I'm at the finish line now. I've set down his broken bike, his thing. It was pretty well mangled. Yeah. Uh, so I set it down, and I call him. And when I was riding back to give him my bike, I Amir had passed, you know, because Amir was still racing. Uh-huh. I was like, go get it, buddy. He's like, I saw Brian. You know, so – yeah. Um, so I'm there. So I call Brian. Shane answers. That's not who answers that phone. Shane, how? How? Uh, what? He's like, I'm with Brian. He crashed, and I'm like, No, I know, I know, dude. I gave him my bike. Like he, he had a broken bike. I went back and gave him my bike. Yeah. He's like, No, no. He, I'm, I'm with him. Right. He's on the ground, and an ambulance is coming. I'm like, Oh, oh God. no. And then Shane's like, Well, what, what should I do? And I was like. Well, finish your race. Yeah, I'm like, You're, are you? Did you suddenly become no, a doctor? Yeah, fin- finish your. <laughs> I'm like, I'll, I'll come back to Brian. Right, right. So I dropped my watermelon again. I haven't still this got fucking to eat. watermelon. I haven't got to eat a piece of damn watermelon. So I dropped watermelon. I turned to this guy from the Netherlands, this dude that you know was going by me on the climbs, and I'm like, Oh yeah, you don't have a bike at this point. No. <laughs> so I turned to him and I'm like, Hey man, um, I need your bike. <laughs> And he looks at me, and he's understanding what's going on. And he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, um, will you not crash it? I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to crash your bike. I'm like 98% sure I won't <laughs> crash it. So I grab his bike. I can't speak for my teammates. <laughs> <laughs> so I grab his bike, and now I hammer back again on the race course. Yeah. And um, This is, of course, after hours ago making the decision to drain the tank. Now you're just doing yeah, laps just of the doing, last four I'm, miles. Dude, it's funny how you still have more. Yeah. How do you always have the human body? There's always more. There's always more. So, uh, so I'm punching it back, and uh, there's an ambulance on the on the bike path, which is now making this narrow bike path very hard to navigate. All right. And I come up, and there's there's two women holding a sheet in the air, both blocking the scene and also like giving shade. Yeah. And Brian's on the ground, and it, like I was just had like a neck brace on it, in it the picture I saw. It didn't look good. Right. Yeah. It looked um, bad. Looks scary. It was it was scary, and so um, and he's scared, and you know, rightfully so. And I'm like, buddy, and he's like, dude, he's like, I hit that wall at 26 miles an hour, head first into a wall. Now these there was a narrow bike path, and there was a little rise every now and again. There'd be like a little rise and a soft right hand turn, uh-huh. but a little rise plus a soft right hand turn means a blind corner. Yeah. Um, and you're going fast, and, and you're going super fast. You probably are. Getting a little light on the tires going over the crest of the hill. A little bit. <laughs> so what had happened, uh, see what happened was, uh, he caught up to a group, naturally, because he's in a part of the race he's never in. So he's right. faster than everybody racing at this right. point. He had caught up to a group of five and then just simply tucked onto the back. So he was sixth wheel. Uh-huh. And uh, a spectator had gotten in the bike path a, l- a little tight. It's quite... It was so already narrow. The tour, the tour is having this same issue, right? Yeah, yeah. So a little narrow. Spectator there, uh, a dude was able to sw- swerve and miss him. Brian wasn't so lucky. A little with the spectator, but then the handlebar catches the, the wall and then just turns the whole – I mean, yeah. at 26 miles an hour, the situation goes bad quickly. Real fast. 
Um, and Brian avoided any collision with anybody, but took the brunt of it himself. Right. Um, bad deal. So I'm sitting there and looking at him, and you know, I got to give the kid the kid's spirit. What did I say it was? I said it was genetics, training, grit, and then luck. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got to give the kid credit for grit, man, because he turns to the paramedics <laughs> and he goes, "Guys, I I got I really got to finish this stage. Can I finish the bike ride?" <laughs> Now at this point he's he's literally a a mile and a half yeah maybe for not a mile he's like a mile from the finish I mean he's at the finish line yeah. I think there's actually a tour rule like if you go out yeah if you crash within a, yeah it's three kilometers you get they put you your time with your group yep um they're like no dude you we, we they had his head fixed on the blocks he's in a full right. neck brace and they're about to strap him to a board right. they're like no you can't move. You can't race. And that's what you could really see the weight of that. Because what he watched happen was, you know, this is six days of racing, right? He performed. He won three of, or won two of the stages outright uh, for the U23, was second on the other three. Like, he's, he's crushing it. He's killing crushing it. Crushing it, dude. Yeah. And then he's seen that slip away in this last, like, a mile. Like, what yeah. a bad fail cycle he had gotten on, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I asked him. I was like, all right, dude, we're going to take him to the Arco hospital. I'm like, cool. This is the town we were in. It was Arco. Um, I was like, man, you want me to come to the hospital with you in the ambulance? Or do you want me to, to take your number plate across the finish line? You know, I don't really know the rules on this. But yeah. at this point, like, who gives a shit? Yeah. Okay, like, the rules are like, do you want to finish this thing? And says, he's like, who gives a shit, says the guy that screamed at two <laughs> Israeli racers. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, but when it comes to my boy. No, I know. So, um. He goes, man, just take my number plate and meet me at the hospital. I gotta love that. Yeah, you know. So I do. And now at this point, now I'm riding. Um, I'm riding the guy from the Netherlands. <laughs> riding You're riding his bike. I'm riding his bike, and then I'm holding my bike by the stem and like, you know, like you call it ghost riding. It. Ghost riding it. Yeah. With Brian's number plate like stuffed in my jersey, so that the timing chip goes across the, the finish line. So I go across the finish line, and they call Brian's name and everything. And of course, the announcer's like, sees a guy. Go across the timing with two mat bikes. with two bikes. He's like, I don't think that's Brian Elander. <laughs> <laughs> Call me crazy. <laughs> I go through, do the deal. But again, I don't even hesitate at this point. I'm like, you know what? I'm not eating watermelon. I might not eat watermelon for the rest of my life. Okay? So I get through the fence. I give the guy's bike back. I'm like, thank you, bro. Um, I turn to Amir, who's, you know, now he's long finished and changed out of his clothes. And yeah. all, Shane's changed out of his clothes. He's this family at this point. They're getting ice cream. And um, I'm like, I go to the hospital, guys. Yeah. So um, I just get my handlebars to a functional spot um, and ride my bike to the hotel, get the van to go to the hospital. Fortunately, we have Amir. Amir takes over. I mean, he's a trauma surgeon. Yeah, he's a he doc. Does. Yeah. So we got there and, um, you know, we could talk for the next hour about what happened, but... Uh, Basically, they took a bunch of precautions. We had to stay in Italy an extra day and a half. Um, There's worse places to, get, to be stuck, dude, right? I mean, Brian, it's not ideal, but there it could. You mean you could be stuck in like Newark, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, or Lima, Peru airport. Like I was sleeping uh, on the way to that. Yeah. So uh, he gets all checked out and uh, good enough to discharge the next day to fly um, to fly and stuff. So. Uh, He's fine. Everyone who's listening. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he got MRIs back here in Colorado, and everything's good. He's fine. He's okay. He's got. He road should rash. probably stop crashing. He, uh, based know, on the MRIs. 
But you know, a racer is a racer. Yeah. Right? It's like, just going to happen. You're going to race hard. And, and when you're as good as he is at that level, you are going to race on the line all the time. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, he didn't do anything wrong. It's just these things happen. It's yeah. a numbers game. And, uh, you know, Amir ended up having his own thing. Like Amir, Amir had he, Amir had to buy a tire I was going to say, what part, what lightweight part of Amir's bike broke <laughs> during actually, the race? The whole bike held up, but uh, he did. He slashed a tire, had to ride backwards on a flat, like four miles. To a store that he happened to well, see? No, there was, a, there was oh, an aid station, okay. and then they had a tire, but they didn't have any tools. So he's using his bare hands to get a tire off, remount a tire using the CO2 to seat the tire, like as a deal. So he did that on course, like, you know. These things happen. Like this is what this is what big racing does. Um, but the unwavering commitment to race at all points of time is a thing that doesn't leave anyone from Shane to Amir to myself yeah. to Brian and uh, and that was what really drew the whole group together. Like we had a full no ride around attitude, and we brought that to every one of the stages. And, and with that, you know, we all enjoyed anywhere between twenty five and twenty eight hours, thirty hours of racing yeah. in the Alps, in the prettiest part of the Alps. And experiencing all of those cultures, dude. Like in that one trip, I was in Austria, Switzerland, Italy, and Germany, and doing all of the things one does when fully embracing that from yeah. Bavarian pretzels to Italian gelato. And getting to ride your bike. And I get to ride my bike every day. So, what's, what do you, are, is everybody in Breck Epic mode? Is that what's next for you? I mean, I've got a trip starting. Oh yeah, well that's I mean but yes, yeah, that, that is a big thing, but it's not no, a race. So you're no, doing your race. you're doing your Colorado Trail, uh Donna Dusk uh full, experience, yep. full experience. Full full support excursion. Um, you got like eight people. It's for gonna that? be amazing, dude. Um yeah. and then uh yeah, Breck Epic's the next one on and it is uh laser focus. That's a but on the asterisk. Speed. It's gonna be on the single speed. On single speed, so that's we're, the last we were, we're taking peanut butter and chocolate and putting them all together. So stage racing on the single speed, stage racing on the single speed, which is not to say that you haven't done that, but you know, so I think it's worth mentioning. Um, you've never done Breck Epic for you. Nope. Never. Done it's it always me. been never done it, fresh or, or fresh. Yeah. So yeah. you've done it off the heels of, um, Leadville off podium. of Leadville podium, Leadville tandem. Um, you've done it to do it with Abby as an experience for her. You did it with me and Roger as part of the, the birth of no ride around. You've never just gone to go do it to be like, you know, it feels <laughs> very strange. Cause there's a lot of communication on our Slack channel for the team, uh-huh. but like lodging and this and that. And, yeah. uh, and you're like, like, I can't be with any of I, you people. I'm, I'm going to be alone in my yeah. van. Yeah. You're going to monk that shit and monk that shit. Yeah. I'm going to be so tunneled in, um, Abby actually mentioned she's she's like I'd like to go see my friends mm-hmm. in Sun Valley Idaho the weekend that Breck Epic starts. I was like, that's a brilliant idea. You should definitely see do you that. later. Yeah. Have fun. Yeah, um, monk status, dude, like yeah. full on. Um, but it, you know, it's 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 just like you know the the national champs thing last year. Like yeah. it's a very purpose driven thing, yeah. right? Yeah, and uh, and and I'm looking forward to it. You know, I've I've done these are some more like tips and tricks that I do. So I trained today back on the single speed, mm-hmm. and uh, I wore a Breck Epic jersey. 
I've been doing that a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I go out and I'm doing the training rides on the single speed, which is basically like just find as much climbing as you can find <laughs> and get on dirt. And go do it. Um, yeah. But I wear the Breck Epic jersey when I'm training for the Breck. Like everything is purposeful. Right. You know? Yeah. So, um, well, I think, I think between now and then, I'm hoping we can squeeze in two more episodes. Um, I want to do, we both just got, professionally fit for the first time ever ever um crazy for you because you've been riding you've been doing this bit more seriously for a bit longer yeah um and it's funny and well and i i, I don't really yet know how we're going to approach that episode because it's like yeah we went and got fits and my bike feels good now you know <laughs> into episode um but it, it's kind of funny and i think you probably experienced the same thing is that our intuition about what we feel and what is real from a biomechanical power output ergonomic perspective, man, they're pretty far apart. Totally. <laughs> um, and then uh, a little, uh, I, we've done Breck Epic. This will be our third time since the podcast started that we've done Breck Epic. Um, so it's like, man, we don't really need a, uh, course breakdown. We really don't need a, uh, you know, a blow by blow recap. Those all exist. Um, so in my, in the back of my head, I'm thinking if we can get it out, you know, and this is ambitious, but if we can get it out a little bit before like week and a half before Breck Epic, like Breck Epic, we could do like a, like a, a best practices having been through it three times. Totally. Yeah. I love it. Um, so that's what we got coming for you guys. As long as we can pull our shit together and uh, actually record the damn things. <laughs> we'll be able to do that. I you think know, so. It's really nice down here. I actually, I like coming to the Castle Rock store Yeah, and kicking it. We got a vibe here. We do. And I'm digging yeah. it. Yeah. In the Chipotle mini bowl next door. The mini bowl is where it's at. I didn't even know it was a thing. Yeah. I think it's relatively new. So when we did our grand opening down here, we had tons of chicken and, beans left and not literally nothing else and so for like the whole first week that i was working down here solo i just went next door every day and got like hey can i get one spoonful of rice and some fajita veggies like every day for a week and just like filled it with beans and chicken and it was like four bucks each time yeah this i'm telling you the mini bowl this is like this is this is legit so um well thanks for listening guys these uh i'll tell you this world traveling thing Man, it's like, if I'm being, it doesn't feel real. Like, I look left and right, and I'm like, in these places, I'm like, are you kidding me? It just seems so fantastical, because I, I grew up as a road trip kid. Like, that's just kind of where we were budget-wise and life-wise. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. my parents, like, we went places, but we were just road trip people. Yeah, it's in, it's, if, it, if you get there in a car with gas money. Totally. So you hear about, like, like Switzerland, and you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, like, for I'll never ever for see Jay-Z, that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just a plane ticket. Yeah. I mean, they're expensive, but yeah. But but it's just a plane ticket. Like, the limitations are really not there. And then when you're out there, it's just, it's just, un, it's unbelievable to take this where it's gone this year. It's just super cool. So I appreciate you guys listening and being on, on par with it. Uh, go do something cool. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. You're weak, you're done So get the fuck out